following was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, my name is Rick Cheddar, and this is From Radioland. Greetings, salutations, hello, hey, how's it going? Welcome to another episode from Radioland from the home office in Memphis, Tennessee, where the show originates all the time. Episode 384. Yeah. I know the, the, the tease last week didn't give you much of an indication as to what's going on this week. That's because I really don't, I didn't know. I did not know at the time. That's the way, this way, I, to be honest with you, I don't know what's going to happen next week. But things will happen. I think I have a fairly decent idea. We'll see. Uh, coming up this time out, we're going to have a conversation with our, gold, with our good friend uh, Maddox from the Heavyweight Chumps. Uh, we're going we're gonna to chat a little bit about uh, all sorts of fun things. Uh, I don't know. You might be you might be amused. You might not be. I, I you know I, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. That's just this is kind of how that goes. There's enough of that out there already in the world today. There's too many people out there that will tell you how you should live your life, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> I refuse to be. Look, if you spend any time in social media somewhere, Facebook, I'm looking at you. There's so many posts out there from people that are like, oh, you, sh- you should do this. You've got to do that. You have to be like this. You have to be like that. No. No, I don't. I don't have to be that way. That's that's the whole that's the whole thing. There's all these people that long for the good old days. You know, we already went through this uh, with the last guy in office. The good old days were not all that good. They had their moments, but they were not all that good. We've made advances. People, I think what people really want, though, they, they long for the simplicity. That's what it is. They want their simplicity. They want to be able to, you know, open up their mailbox and just deal with the publisher's house clearing house sweepstakes thing deal, whatever that hokey deal is. That's what they want. They want to watch Andy Griffith. They want to watch Bonanza. They want to watch Little House on the Prairie. Guess what? You can still do all those things. It's still out there. But I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to live in a world where it's like, oh, it's got to be the way that it was. Look, there's there's an old there's an old axiom here, and I'm going to back this up with a little bit of a story. This the, the the line is this: you can always go home, but you can never go back. And that's true. I think I've mentioned it on this program a long time before. Um, there there was a time when I, when I was when I was a little kid, I used to spend uh, a lot of my summers with my uh, maternal grandparents, my mother's parents. They ran a restaurant in this little bitty town in northeast Texas, right there on the Texas-Louisiana border, just uh, just east of Marshall, Texas. There on Caddo Lake, and my cousin and I would uh, would spend you know, a good chunk of our summer there, and we had a large time. And I have some great memories from from those days. And then, of course, as life happens, you grow up, you go to school, you you distance yourself from those things because it's just that's the way life works. You get distant from those things. And, and that happens. And then many years later, when I moved here, actually, uh, I was passing through that area. I was, I was driving uh, back to Texas for something, a reunion of some sort, a family reunion. And I thought, let me just pop through here. I'm near. Let's take a look. So I drove through this little town. And it had changed a lot. I mean, some of it was still there, but none of the people that I knew, they were all gone. You know, the place was there, you know, even the, even the, the buildings and things that my grandparents had were still there. They were long gone. 
the people that used to live and and work and breathe and have fun in and around that area, they were all, they've all moved on. They've all gone and done different things. So yeah, the place is still there. Is it home? No, it's not. My home is here. And those memories that I have will always be that way. Now forever slightly tainted by the fact that I've been there since I was a kid and it's changed a lot, but but that's just it. If you think you can go back and enjoy it, you're mistaken because it's not the way it works. That's not the way it works at all. And quite frankly, I don't know that I'd want to live in a world that was like that. I mean, it was fun while it lasted, but I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see myself ever being in a position where, you know, oh, it's always going to be that sweet, idyllic space that we've all come to to love and enjoy when we were children or when we were younger. And then we grow up out and go live out in the world for a little while. And then we come home and it's like, oh, this is. This is not at all what I thought this is good. This is, this is different. It is. So you have those little snapshots in time. And that's, you know, not such a bad thing, I suppose. It could always, it could be far worse because of all of the ways that we see the world coming apart now. And it seems that way. But look at the kids now. Look at the, look at the memories that they're making for themselves. And there will come a time when they become older and they will, they will look back and they'll go, oh, that was a fun time. And then they'll try and go back and they'll try and look and they'll try and see. And the smarter kids will realize that there's nothing to go back to. It don't let it be as depressing as it sounds. It's just a fact. And this is the way things are. So, you know, enjoy, enjoy your days. That's the way it is. As Warren Zevon famously said, enjoy every sandwich. Enjoy the moments that you have right now. The memories that you're making now are all very important. And that's the, that's the cool thing. Don't worry about trying to go back. You'll never be able to go back. You know, even with a time machine, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be the same because your perspectives have changed. I know kind of weird and lofty and preachy here on this episode, but that's the way it is. It's the way I see it. And, uh, such as it is, that's the way that's going to be. We'll pause. We'll be back coming up in just a moment. Maddox from the heavyweight chumps. He joins the program. We'll be having a chat. Grab a beverage. We'll be back in 60 seconds right here from Radioland. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-668-0042. 800-668-0042. 800-668-0042. That's 800-668-0042. I guess this time out, kids, uh, is part of the or half of the Heavyweight Chumps radio show you can hear on Tuesday nights at radio-memphis.com, 10 p.m. Uh, but it's not going to be there much longer because they're quitting because that's what they do. They they fold stuff up, they pack up the tents, and they move. <laughs> uh, but I'd just like to point out I am the better half. You're the, the better half, yes. Chumps, not the bigger half. <laughs> it's Maddox, kids. Uh <laughs> Yeah, we're uh, we're we're going to. Uh, there's some changes afoot. You guys aren't going away per se. You're just doing something a little different, sort of like the old Conan O'Brien trick. 
Yeah, um, I'm just not going to be doing it on the Tonight Show anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think think you've got this design on moving us to this wasteland, and I don't know where it's going to be because you haven't clued me in yet. (laughs) Well, we'll see how this all happens. We're going to talk about it at length, uh, not on this show, but uh, coming up on the... uh, on the anniversary show, which is the uh, sec- uh, third of uh, July, yeah, which is coming up next Saturday, so yeah, that's going to be yeah, it'll be a fun time. It'll be a big show. We got the Angel Sluts that are coming. They haven't played since Simon and Garfunkel were a thing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll have the Carlos Vicos Band will be in studio. They're a bunch of cops, so you know there's that. Uh, uh, so we have to behave ourselves while they're in the studio. Oh, yeah. no, they're just going to lead the way, dude. That's just what they do. And, uh, oh, I bl- so they're bringing the stuff out of the evidence locker. <laughs> I think so. They're bringing the evidence locker to us. And uh, Mo Alexander, I believe, is coming down. Is that right? Uh, as far as I know, unless there's some uh, issues with Chandra's recovery, as I believe he's going to make it. Oh, good, good. And and I think he's bringing a thing. I he's threatening to, but I I'm I'm not too sure how that's going to go over too well. I was I was talking to my wife about this. He's bringing a possum allegedly. Yeah, you don't want to talk to my wife about that though. It's not going to go well. Possums are cool, uh, but uh, but I didn't know he had a domesticated possum. This one's relatively new. It was one that was apparently in the house. They found apparently one had babies, and they found one of them and domesticated the damn thing. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that I've I've heard that's a thing. You know, you get some possum chow from uh, from Purina. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if a possum made its way into my house, I'd have to move. No, oh, come on, they're my all. My wife right. would make me move. No, they're good. They're good for the. They're good for the environment. They eat dead things. They're sort they of the keep janitors the ticks of down. They, yeah, they keep. They do keep the ticks down. They wander through my neighborhood every once in a while and hang out in the backyard. They're there for a, a few days. Uh, the wife goes out there and feeds them apples, and uh, and then off he goes. Now, because you are in Tennessee and you are originally from Texas, I have to ask, what's your preference, possums or Texas speed bumps? Uh, you don't get too much of, you get some possum down there. Uh, the best possum you can find is usually in a can. Uh, they have canned possum. That's a thing. Uh, armadillo, you don't want to eat so much, uh, mainly because they're carriers of leprosy. Right. They are literally possum on a half shell is what my father's always called. <laughs> but but see, a possum, though, doesn't get rabies because apparently something about the way their body temperature works and they're just impervious. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, they're, they're impervious to rabies. Uh, they're impervious to a lot of things because they eat dead, dead things. You don't get sick if you eat a lot of shit. <laughs> that's so true. I guess, you know, as was it, was it George Carlin said, he goes, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. He goes, I used to swim in the East river, you know, my, my my immune system is literally tempered in shit. Yeah, that's exactly, that's one of his, uh, gosh, go back to his, I think it was in his jam in in New York special in 1990. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I just went back and rewatched a bunch of his specials. I was trying to remember which one that was. You know, speaking of which, uh, I, I came across some stuff of, uh, other comedians too. I, it's been a long time since I sat and spent any time with Richard Pryor, but I did. Um, was it here, here and now, I think it was the name of the show. Here and now, which is to the best of my knowledge is the last of the concert films. Oh, really? I believe that's the last one he put out. And I think that was in the mid-80s, late-80s, something like that? Yeah, that was mid to late-80s. I want to say somewhere around 86, probably. Yeah. 
Oh, he was something special, that's for sure. Oh, Pryor was... That, that's the thing. People always ask you, who was the greatest stand-up comedian? And the answer is Pryor and Carlin. The question is which one is number one and which one's number two, because I can't rank one above the other. I don't think, I don't think that's a fair question to ask anybody, quite frankly. I mean, there, there were... I mean, if you go and you look at what Eddie Murphy had done and the, right. the influence that Pryor had on Eddie was certainly obvious. Well, and then you can go further back. I mean, you can say Pryor, but go back and look at, you know, Red Fox. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those now that when somebody says, who do you think is the greatest comedian of all time? My first reaction is other than Carlin and Pryor. Because that's the safest way to answer the question. <laughs> It really is, because <clears throat> um, you know, then then you're getting into Lenny Bruce territory, right? And I've never really listened to a lot of Lenny Bruce, so I don't know much about it. I know enough about the story, but I don't know a lot about his career. So Lenny was an interesting fellow, uh, fascinating. Uh, toward the end of his career, not so much, but you know, he spent a lot of time standing on stage reading legal transcripts of some of the court hearings that he was involved with over the obscenity trials. Uh, there's a film called Lenny. It's a black and white film yes. that Dustin Hoffman was in. He plays the lead. I think it's, I believe it is Dustin Hoffman. I, it is. I remember seeing a preview for this. I never saw the film. It is fantastic. It's sad, but it is fantastic. And, and, and it shows you what, you know, what, what guys like him would get arrested for when they were putting on a show. Yeah. And it makes you wonder why we haven't been. <laughs> that's because there's no court that would hear it <clears throat> that's always a good thing we haven't broken any laws are you kidding i've been out on the web you see some of the stuff that's been out there oh i know we could get far worse than we have oh lord yes it's just you know it's a matter of whether or not people want to you know i mean we could bring the titty dancers to the studio but i don't know what good it's gonna do it doesn't do any good i, I spencer used to do that shit all the time and it's like dude it's a radio show who cares yeah, you can't do the radio show thing with strippers. It just makes no point. It, It's kind of like the, the one thing that I will always remember from Howard Stern. I'm not a tremendous, didn't listen to a lot of Stern, but I listened to enough. And there was one bit where, of course, you remember when Howard went, when, when, Howard Stern and Howard K. Stern were both on there at the same time. Yes, I remember that, yeah. And Anna Nicole came on. Yeah. And Artie actually convinced Anna Nicole to let him take her to the bathroom and go down on her. Oh, wow. And I'm sitting there going, for one, the very thought of that with the condition this woman's in right now is almost rape. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it's not very sanitary in general. <laughs> no, and you know that that was the whole thing about that show, though. It was pandering to the inner teenager that was that was listening to this garbage. It was like, oh, you got to tune in. They're gonna have a naked lady on, and it's like, dude, you're not gonna see anything. You're not gonna, you know. We're gonna hear some titties. <laughs> do they make noise? <laughs> if you know what you're doing, yeah, I get. Well, yeah, exactly. If you do it right, I guess they they, they would. But there, there again, I mean those. You know, we've talked about Stern before. Um, I'm not a, a fan per se. I appreciate what he's done. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for guys like him, I wouldn't have been part of shows that I've been a part of. But it's not anything that, that, uh, that like LJ and I, we don't do any of that stuff. It's just, it's passe. It is. 
it had its moment and then it's not there. It anymore. will eventually come back. You think? It'll eventually come back. It's going to be everything that's old will eventually be new again. I guess, yeah, to a certain extent. Um, you know, I was talking a little earlier in the program here about, you know, the 10 years of Radio Memphis and in those 10 years, what we'd have accomplished. And I can't for the life of me figure out what we've done for the past 10 years except waste everybody's time. Well, you hired us. So, I'm like I said, I've done nothing yeah, but waste everybody's time. No, I, I mean, we went into this with, you know, with lofty goals and, and that was, and it really, it's not lofty per se, but it was enough to, you know, to say, Hey, let's bring back what radio used to be. And maybe we did. I don't know. I, I'd like to or think. Or maybe, or maybe we're close. I think we may be close. I think we're fairly close to it because it's, it's just going to be a matter of, of, of time. And that's really kind of what a lot of this is. We, we, we came at it, you know, when, when, when we first put it on the air, I thought we were probably about 18 months ahead of time. Um, actually, we were probably closer to about six years ahead. And uh, Wow. I think that's what it was. But, well, think about it. Internet radio really wasn't a thing until, you know, what, Pandora came along. and then, Right. And, and, no, and to this day, nobody still, they still can't figure out how to advertise with it. No, no. And Spotify, I don't quite get what all that's all about. That's just letting them know all your information. And so you become the product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, much like, much like both of us somehow or other ending up on iHeart for God's sake. You know, <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking all of that, uh, but, but you know, now that you brought it up, those bastards, you know, cause you and I both know podcasters. Oh, several. I know several that have submitted trying to get in and gotten rejected. And then I find out I'm on there and didn't even submit. It didn't even submit. And there we are. I mean, because I intentionally did not want to submit to iHeart because of what they did to 103, because I had such an affinity for that station as a kid. Sure, sure. And I, they, it just, and what they've done to the, the industry of radio in general has really just chapped my ass. <laughs> And ever since I've been bitching about it, nobody's ever said anything. I haven't gotten that email. I haven't gotten that call from them going, oh, hey, you want me to pull your stuff? Because clearly, you know, they don't want to lose our audience. I'm telling you, at some point, you're going to turn on that station and you're going to be doing the morning show on two stations. <laughs> well, first of all, I won't find it unless somebody tells me about it because I don't listen to terrestrial radio. But second of all, who does these days? And if they were to uh, pick this up and run it on their stations over there, there's going to be, there's going to be some problems. There's, you know, there's some legal issues here. Yeah. A lot of big legal issues here. I mean, you know, I don't want to be on the hook for an FCC violation when I didn't sign the paperwork <laughs> to be on there. <laughs> It comes out of my mouth. It has to come out of my checkbook, apparently, you know. But and we all know the things that come out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh absolutely. I'm I'm rather proud of that, and and it's it's done in its very particular manner. Nevertheless, I I don't think uh, it's hard to say this. I, I was going to say it's hard to think that that uh, iHeart would be that stupid. But there again, we're on it now, and I don't know why why how that happened. It, it had to be just because the feed for our fo- they submitted us out to all the carriers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's, I mean, that's it, probably what it was. But yeah, it was, it was crazy when you 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 called me like so. I'm on iHeart. I said, "Well, holy shit, I'm part of the iHeart family now too." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it wasn't just this show; it was the on demand from Radio Memphis and you guys. 
and God knows everything else that we stick on there is up there, and it's it's crazy. It's one of the yep. Once again, we didn't ask to be on there. We we are not employees of the of the thing, but yet here we are. But we would gladly take a check. Yeah, they would gladly not write one. That's the thing about clear channels. They don't they don't write checks. They cash them. Yeah, I know. Well, clear channel, iHeart, whatever, same thing. The evil empire. That's way. that's it is. You know, they put lipstick on a pig, or at least they tried to with uh, with the formation of iHeart, and they got what's his nuts. Uh, the former head of uh, Viacom, Bob, what's his nuts? Um, which I don't know that he's still there. Uh, Pittman, Bob Pittman. Yeah, he's the guy that killed MTV. He's all his family's also responsible for killing the DeSoto Times today. Oh, really? They the, the local paper the, down there. They it was in it's the South Haven Hernando paper. And Bob Pittman's and family killed that. How the well, they they owned it and it was a daily. Uh huh. It is now maybe three times a week. Oh wow! Yeah, they they. I didn't know they that, were in the print business. I they were in the, I actually interviewed with Bob Pittman when I interviewed there at one point. Really, you met Bob. I met Bob twice because they're also involved with the Barksdale Reading Institute. Uh, is Bob which, from here? I don't know if he's from here. I I, it, I can't figure that out. I hadn't had much luck in that. They've got to be from close by. I would say so if they have that much of an interest in what was going um, on here. But the Barksdale Reading Institute is something that they've started that goes around. It's a, Basically, it's a thing to help with teacher development and things like that and they go in and do a half day or whatever every day and the kids get out at 12 on tuesday or wednesday okay i, just, I think it goes on for a few years I, but they get a good check they get a good check from the school districts for it i just looked him up he's from jackson mississippi okay that explains a lot of what's wrong with him known for mtv iHeartMedia, and aol Oh, yeah, that's right. Six Flag Theme Parks, Quantum Media, Century 21 Real Estate, Time Warner Enterprises, and COO of America Online and AOL Time Warner. So there you go. Boy, so he's also the man that took wrestling off TBS. Fuck you, sir. There you go. There it is. That's 20 years. We're finally getting it back next year. Well, (laughs) I guess the contracts ran out. Nah, new developers. (laughs) Oh, new developers. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the whole MTV thing, the reason why it went from music to, you know, reality TV was him. Uh, I miss what MTV, well, actually MTV wasn't MTV by the time I got into it, so. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember when it came on and it, it was, you know, the whole, you know, video killed the radio star thing, which clearly wasn't the case, but, uh, you know, it became a marketing tool for, for musicians and they, you know, they weren't anybody. They weren't anything until they made a, uh, uh, until they made a video, music video. Right. Mm-mm. I mean, that. Think about it. It's like, and I know, and I'm going to use this this example, even though I know you hate the Eagles. Go ahead. Um, Don Henley actually admits he did not want to do music videos when he did his solo stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But that Geffen pushed him to do it. He wanted to just be a singer-songwriter. He didn't want to do music videos. Right, right. But yeah, Geffen pushed. It was the only way you could really get played. It was really if you got play on MTV, you got radio play back in those days. Yeah, I yeah. There was a point there, even though a lot of FM stations just it was hard to get on anyway, unless unless you wrote a check or you brought in a you know brown bag full of cash. 
Yeah. And the old brown bag full of, full of cash trick, I would still welcome, quite frankly. Uh, you know, that's payola. It's uh, it's not legal in terrestrial terms. Internet terms, it is legal. I know a couple of uh, internet radio broadcasters that practice it. It's a, it's a tacky move. I don't recommend it. Right. And huh, funny, um, you say it's a payola. I had never heard that term until last week. Oh, really? Um, I was actually watching an episode of uh, WKRP. Yes. Uh, where I guess Johnny had left to go back to LA. Yes. And it was the episode where he came back and the new morning guy was taking a payola as they called it from the, from a record producer. And he was getting a, it was a bag of cocaine. Uh huh. Oh yeah. And the guy, Carlson, they tell you, Carlson walks in on him and, and Johnny tells him it's foot powder. <laughs> Foot powder. <laughs> the next thing you see, Carlson's putting the cocaine in his socks and putting his socks on his feet. Oh, that's hilarious. And then at the end of the episode, they say it's fi- they finally realize it's cocaine and Carlson's going, my foot's dead, my foot's dead. <laughs> uh-huh. I can tell you the complete series has arrived in my mailbox. It's here when I got home. Oh, okay. I guess I know what you're going to be doing all next week. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Now the you know the Paola thing, you know that was a that was a big deal. Uh, that was you know there were there was uh, several stories that I heard. One of which would be, and this is more of a general uh, covering of the topic, but uh, a, a a label would come in with a new record, and they would they would come into a, a, a station or whatever, and they would bring the jock, the head jock there, a bag full of cash, and they give him the record, and then he would play it while they were in the studio. To show that he was going to play it, and 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 no, none of the guys were on the air. It's just that you know, hey, we got this new one. It's from so and so, and they would play it. Well, um, they would hang around town for three or four days listening to that station, and if that song never showed back up again, they would go back and beat the shit out of the DJ that took the money. Oh damn! Yeah, yeah, because you know it's easy to sit and go, yeah, I'm going to throw it on the air one time and be done with it, but no. Ooh, they would hang around a few Ooh. days. Yes. And I heard I heard one of the stories, I think it was from Willie Hall who told me that he had known guys that got their ass beat because they didn't uh they didn't play the they didn't play all the you know, live up to the commitment, if you will. Well, and Willie was probably on a good many of those records. He probably was, because uh, you know, Willie was in a lot of records around town. And I know you guys have got a big thing going on tonight. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, the Drummer's Roundtable tonight uh, for the Booze and Blues. It's actually going to be, it's not even the Booze and Blues per se, it's just a special production. In fact, I've already been on the phone with our producer, Mark Caldwell, off and on uh, today, and he's already sent me a bunch of stuff that I have to be prepared for, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be chaos. I'm actually going to be more of a referee or a goalie at this point, kick everybody <laughs> back into play and keep it going and, you know, uh, make sure we hit the brakes at the right time and after that be done with it. Throw in some red cards every once in a while. That's about it. That'll be about it. But yeah, that'll, that'll be a, that'll be an amusing, uh, amusing program for sure, but it's going to be recorded. So you'll be able to hear it on iHeart later. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks. iHeart. Oh, those bastards. Well, okay. iHeart pisses you off, but there's something else that we saw a preview for actually a trailer that dropped this week that you sent to me. Yes. Yes. That we were going to that we wanted to get into. And this is something I, I have a I have strong opinions about this franchise. Yes, I know you do. That's why I shared it with you as, and I have uh fairly strong opinions myself. Uh, we are both huge fans of the Halloween franchise. Right. And the last film that came out 
that sequel to the original that skipped over part two and everything else. Right, right. Was, oh my God, I walked out of the theater literally going, that's it? You hyped me up and that's it? I went into it knowing that that was not going to be the only one. That this was nothing more than a setup. Be the only, I knew it wasn't going to be the only one, but damn, they didn't start it in, the, in a good place. It just started slow. Oh yeah, it did. And it, you know, there were a couple of things about it I was not a fan of, like the the whole the those two idiot podcasters that got involved in this. this oh dear God, the, yeah, they were yes. horrible. And frankly, and the, the bad thing is, you know, there's always a little bit of humor in these Halloween films. Yes, the little black kid was the only humor in this in the, the, the last one. Yes. And, that was a, and that's a great scene too, where he's where he's that being kid, tucked in. He stole the movie right. Though. Yeah, he did. He did. So, thanks to the pandemic, we've been denied the other two films, at least delayed. And just recently, this I guess last week, they released the trailer to Halloween Kills, which is the second film, and that looks pretty intense. It looks so much more on par with what I expect out of a Halloween film. Yes than what we got out of the last one. And it looks like a film that I am actually excited to see as the middle part of a trilogy, which rarely happens in its own right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Cause usually the second films are the kind of the weakest of the bunch. It doesn't happen uh, often, but yeah. it didn't happen in star Wars. You couldn't say empire is easily the best film of that first three. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I mean, otherwise most of the time you run into a second film in a trilogy and that's the, the weakest film easily. I mean, you can go back to the sequels of the, the prequel trilogy of star Wars and guarantee that attack of the clones is the weakest. Sure. Yeah. Godfather two was, I think superior in many aspects to, to the others, but you know, that's, you know, most people would agree with you on Godfather two. I'm one of those that will tell you when it comes to the Godfather trilogy, I actually think the first film is the best. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It is the best. It's just that the second one is fine too. It's just as good. I mean, it does. And I'm anxious to see the series that Paramount is putting together. That's what I hear that they're putting something that's supposed to take place after the third, I think. Right. Yeah. And it's going to be a weekly series. Let's hope they don't screw it up. You know, these streaming services have seemingly gotten their stuff right where the networks have been the ones that have been screwing the pooch here lately. Well, they've got a lot more latitude. Uh, yeah. You know, networks have a lot more more room to play with a little bit. They don't have, um, I don't know, there's a certain, there's a, I don't know, a, uh, I, I don't know, an audience response, I think that is expected uh, when you when you're talking about one of the alphabets, you know ABC, CBS, NBC, that they, you know they have to meet sure. certain demands that they feel that have been right all along, and they're they're very hesitant to any type of change. Whereas Amazon can come along or Netflix or Hulu and just you know let the tube out of the toothpaste and run with it. Oh God, if you haven't watched Invincible on Amazon, it's an animated superhero series, mm-hmm. but it is done by Robert Kirkman. Oh, really? Uh, creator of The Walking Dead. And it's based on a comic that he did. And all the voice actors are from The Walking Dead, or at least most of them. The main uh, the main character is J.K. Simmons. Right, right. And it is one of the most brutal animated series I have ever watched in my entire life. Huh, interesting. They, at one point, the quote-unquote hero 
has his son holding him up and pushing him through a subway car and the people in it. Oh, wow. Killing everybody, just wiping everybody out at one go. Wow. It's, and you, and the sad thing is you watch the very first episode and the ending of the first episode is bloody as all get out. And you think they're not going to top it. And they do. Oh shit. That was the, the first episode was nothing compared to what builds into that series. And it, it's just tremendous. They've already announced the next season's coming. Uh, I'm anxious to see what they do because they kind of left it a little open in, open ended. I'm I'm anxiously awaiting for the return of the Orville. Do you is it going to return? It is. Uh, last I heard, Seth MacFarlane worked a deal through Hulu and Fox. Um, so it's not gonna, similar to what he did with American Dad when he moved it over to TBS. I'm assuming kind of, but he's moved it straight over to Hulu at this point. They gave him they gave him that. So what will happen is he's not he's not going to be constrained by time, which he was under the broadcast realm. So he's got he can play with the clock, and he's got uh, freedom of language. And he's got a you know he signed a first look deal with NBC on what. Uh, he's working on a Ted series for Peacock. Oh, Ted. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. I heard Ted was, was yeah, they were going, I don't know how that's going to work, dude. I don't know how you do it if you can't get Marky Mark, if you can't get Mark Wahlberg. I think personally you could do it better as an animated series. I would say so, but you would still need Mark. Yeah, but it would be easier to get a voice cast than it would, you know, have everybody back in there to shoot it. Sure, sure. And that's, you know, that's going to be a time consuming project. Yeah. But and now, okay, we we got into the, the Halloween stuff a little bit. Uh-huh. I, I got to ask this question to you: What is the biggest abomination that ever happened to that franchise? Oh, uh, Halloween! Yes, Rob Zombie. Okay, you and I are in agreement there. Before Rob Zombie, I would have easily said Halloween three. Yes, Season of the Witch. Season Although of the Witch. now, yeah, I have an appreciation for that film. Because you've seen far worse. (laughs) That's That's just it. it. But now I go into it thinking, okay, if they had named this just Season of the Witch, if they hadn't called this a Halloween film, would I have hated it as much? Probably not. I had to take the same approach that I took with the Friday the 13th reboot that came out in 09. Because they called it a reboot. I went into it and I watched it the first time and I said, well, this fucking sucks. And then I get out of there. I did have some fun in the theater. Uh, there, there's a scene in 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 the Friday the Thirteenth reboot where Jason goes up into the loft of this uh, barn, and this guy's up there, and he had just put some weed on the thing. Mm-hmm. And the guy picks up this weed, and he's looking at it real good. Now I'm in a packed theater. I was in a small theater in Snotobia, and. This guy leans over to me and he see he saw me when they did, went to the weed fields and I said, Jesus Christ, we're watching Jason grows weed this time. That's funny. Now, now and, season of the witch didn't have Michael in it though, did it? No, that that's the, the whole point. Did not have Michael. That's it. and I said if you, if you look at it from the perspective of it's not a Halloween film, it's a damn good horror flick. Yeah. Um, just like now, I go back and I, I love the. Friday the 13th reboot, but I don't consider it a reboot. I just consider it a sequel to the other film. It's a continuation. Yes. Right. Looking at it that way, I was okay because I quit having to worry about why is Jason a mole man? When did he learn to be able to jump to the second story? What the hell is going on here? Right, right, right. You know, there were just a lot of things. And I, and I was afraid we were going to get that with the Halloween reboots that we were getting here. But unfortunately the reboots that we got from Rob Zombie were far, 
far worse. <laughs> well, apparently, Zombie got uh, he he got the blessing of John Carpenter. Well, he got the blessing of Carpenter because he's a tremendous he's a huge horror fan. And I give Zombie all the credit in the world for two films that he made. Yes. The House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects will stand up as two of the best horror films made in a generation. I agree with you. They're both very good, yes. But I can't say that about a damn thing else he's made. No, because what he did to Halloween was just really kind of embarrassing. He tried to humanize a monster. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Now, what's he going to do with the monsters, though? That's that's the other question now. Because I don't know, but he's scouting in Romania for... Uh, he's already scouting Romania for locations. Oh, wow. Scares you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, because that's not what that show was about. I, I, all, I still say that I honestly think Burton should have taken the monsters and let Zombie have the Adams family. Oh, I don't know if, if if any of those two guys need any part of that. Well, then again, Zombie could really fuck up the Adams family. Yeah, he could, and th- that doesn't need to be effed with. It does, well, let's that's... put it this way. You and I both know that his stripper wife would be playing Morticia. Well, yeah. And she hasn't looked good since the Devil's Rejects. <laughs> I Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, look... To be fair, both the Musters and the Adams family, they were both they were both wholesome television. John Ashton yeah, to this day still talks about it. Neither of these directors are exactly the wholesome type. That's the whole point. And that's what bothers me about the Munsters. I think I just on the surface it's gonna be a no. I'll be interested in seeing what the trailer has to offer if if it comes to that, or I'm sure that we'll be hearing stories from the set. Oh, there's gotta be something. I I, I will I will give it my usual three episode rule. I watch something for three episodes. If you can't grab me in three episodes, then I'm done. So what zombies, he's not making a movie. He's actually making a series. Is that right? He is making a TV series. I don't know which streamer is going to do it, but it is being shopped to those. And I wonder if he's going to make it serious or is he going to, is he going to you know ham up the comedy in it? Well, I mean, could he play, could he actually go back to the, toolbox he had at peewee's playhouse well that's a good question that's the whole point because if it's that could be fun if it's one thing zombie does have is those he's got some credit there working with uh with peewee yeah and you know you could always pull peewee in for the monsters in some capacity paul rubens said not long ago that he doesn't think he'll ever put the peewee suit back on because he doesn't think it, it would look good on him I hate hearing that, but I understand where he's coming from. He's, you know, he's in his seventies now. Yeah. Um, he's kind of ready to sort of retire the whole thing, but I could see him playing grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I also could see Brad Garrett playing Herman. The, yeah, I can too. I don't know that he would, but yeah, but that, that could be, that could be a thing. The, um, the last Pee Wee film that was done was the Pee Wee's Vacation, I think it was. It was a Netflix thing. Uh, the, the yeah, they did the Pee Wee's Vacation, and they the, the HBO had the Pee Wee's Playhouse uh, live live show. Okay, was yeah, great. which was great. Now the, the Pee Wee's Vacation was uh, was very clever, uh, but part of the problem with it is that um, they they digitally de-aged him. And it did not look good. It looked very 
weird. It was very plasticky. Before they had figured out how to do it with the Irishman. Right. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. It I mean, was, thank it, God they didn't look, didn't make Pesci look like Pee Wee. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pesci, Pesci looked like, uh, he was frightening. In, in the, and the Irishman's brilliant. I mean, of course, it's Scorsese, so, yeah. It's a, it's a three-hour movie I could have watched another three hours of. Oh, absolutely. That movie was phenomenal. Oh, and you know Scorsese's back at it again. He's working on something else. I can't wait. Scorsese, and I. I have one of my favorite Scorsese films is actually one of his least successful. Oh, Hugo. Really? <laughs> um, he did that movie for his I think he was kids or grandkids. Um, they were fans of the book. Yeah. And the movie is just absolutely stunning. It's one visually. It's one of his most impactful films. Story-wise, it's it's great. The acting from the young actors that he had cast were great. Of course, when you had a a very young uh, Chloe Moretz hot off of the first, right? You know, right off the first kick ass, um, and they just did such a great job. If anybody hasn't seen that movie, I strongly urge you to find it and watch it. It's 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 not what you typically get out of Scorsese, but my God, is it a good film? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, his new film with uh, Leo DiCaprio, one of his favorite go-tos, and uh, um, who else is in that in that thing? Um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, it looks it, it looks to be oh uh, Margot Robbie. That's it, Margot Robbie. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, um, it's kind of worrying me that they may go a little bit too far towards the Wolf of Wall Street again. But well, you know, you stick with a formula that works. Well, and I mean, that's the thing. Scorsese has a habit of sticking with the actors that he likes. Yeah. I mean, he kind of builds his crew and then he just says, here's the script for the next one. Well, a lot of directors are that way. I mean, look at uh, Tarantino. Well, look at Tarantino, look at Kevin Smith, look at, you know, Rodriguez. They all generally have their regular players. Tarantino, by the way, is suggesting that one more film and he's done. But of course, he says that before every film. He had always said that he was going to finish it. I think he wanted to do nine films and he was going to retire. And retire from what? I mean, I mean, what's he going to do? He's a young dude. Well, he owns the uh, he owns the New Beverly Cinema in uh, L.A. He bought it and saved it from being demolished. Right. And turned it into a they will air classics or there were people will come in and do like live Q and A's or things there. Um, he programs that his, he does the entire programming for that place himself. According to, uh, NME.com, uh, he said, I know film history and from here on in filmmakers do not get better. And he has considered making his final film, a reservoir dogs reboot. It would be nice to see what he could do with a real budget with that film. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's a waste because that film is really, it is his best piece. Because uh, he's talking about going full circle with his final film, uh, recreating his directorial debut with all the wisdom he's picked well, up. Well, if he's going to make his career come full circle, then what he needs to do is direct a reboot of True Romance, which he wrote. Sure. Because he wrote and sold that script to be able to finance the making of Reservoir Dogs. Right. So I'd like to see what he could have done with that film and his filmmaking style. I, I, I'm wondering if, 
I'm, I'm, I can't see him actually retiring. I think he's going to be one of those guys who'll say he'll do it, and then you know he'll disappear for a couple of years, and then something will come his way. I, I was going to say, think about a uh, few years back, Kevin Smith said he was done. Right, and that didn't happen. And he has now had a prolific resurgence. In of course, the podcasting world helps him tremendously. Well, of course it does. Uh, uh, but then you had the Jay and Silent Bob reboot that came out this past year. Uh, you had his the 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 True North, what was a mid, originally intended to be a trilogy, which was, uh, oh God, um, Tusk, yes, and Yoga Hosers, yes, and then the last one was supposed to be Moose Jaws, which was a Canadian. It was set in Canada, and it was Jaws with a moose, right. And they never did get moose jaws made, but now he's actually moving forward and they're about to start shooting on uh, the Mallrat sequel. And he's already working on Clerks 3. He finally got Jeff Anderson to agree. So, yeah, it must be the script must be good enough for him to want to come on board. It must be because Anderson doesn't, I mean, he hardly works anymore. So, I would suggest, yes. <laughs> I am excited to see, you know, what Kev's doing because I've been a fan of his ever since. Well, I would say ever since Clerks, the first thing I discovered of his was Dogma. So. Oh, yeah, Dogma's great. And Dogma was one of those. I discovered Dogma, and I'm not... Uh, no, actually, I take that back. The first one I ever saw was Mallrats, which was his second film. And I'm ashamed to say why I rented the film in the first place. Uh-huh. I didn't know anybody else in the movie, but I was a fan of the original Beverly Hills 90210. Mm-hmm. And and Shannon Doherty was the main actress. I know, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I like her. I'll give this a shot. And I watched that. And then I would be walking through the video store. I'm like, hey, wait, those are those two guys from that movie. With <laughs> and I exactly. Pulling. Yeah, and that's how I kind of got into his. And it's just the filmmakers these days, I think a lot of movies are missing a lot of heart. I That's my problem with what's coming out these days. Um you know, there's story, there's character, and every film should have its soul or its heart. And a lot of, you know, I, that's why I'm done with all the, the, the Marvel universe. I'm done with it. I, you know, they, those films are, they're fun for what they are, but there's no, there's nothing there. There's no real story to any of these, these, these films. There's just not, you know, Deadpool was the last one I thought that had actually stolen it. It was, that was actually a really good film. <laughs> that was very good film. <clears throat> And it's, you know, it's a great character and it's played perfectly and the story is there. I mean, it's, it's, it's not what you think it's going to be. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And yeah, you know, hell, the first Iron Man was great. The second one, yeah, and then, then it just went on into this weird thing. And no, you're right. After the first Iron Man, Iron Man pretty much sucked. Yeah. Yeah. All of, and what have they done to Spider-Man? They've just, they've completely ruined him. They've given us too many Spider-Man movies in too short a time span. Too many reboots of Spider-Man. Right. Because, I mean, we've already had three Tobey Maguire films. Then, boom. All right, we're going to reboot this about five years later. Then we get two films with uh, James Garfield. And there was supposed to be a third film there. Well, they decided, okay, this is not working. We're going to reboot it and let it let Marvel in on the decision-making so that we can get in on some of that sweet, sweet Marvel money. <laughs> well, that's sort of the point, yes. And uh, and they did, and now you've got Tom Holland, and now you're looking at the next uh, Spider-Man is the rumor is that we're going to see all three. No. Y'all will. I won't. Uh, you know. 
No, I won't even do this. I'm not a big Spider-Man fan. Um, I will see the new Batman stuff that's coming because I'm anxious to see what a sparkly Batman looks like. Oh, fuck sparkly Batman. I'm watching. <laughs> if Batman fucking sparkles, I'm getting up and leaving. I hear you. No, that's but, a, that's uh, another that's another franchise that turned to shit. Well, and it's in. I mean, that particular Batman film is in a lot of trouble right now because they're worried that his performance actually makes Bruce Wayne seem like he has mental problems. Well, he kind of does, but but that's <laughs> aside from the point. Yeah, the audience um, is not prepared I, for that. I'm looking forward to what DC does moving forward because I want to see I I, I want to see Michael Keaton back as Batman to see what they can do to fix that. Sure. Um, because there's a lot of shit they got to fix. And the whole Affleck thing is just a whole... Personally, I don't think he ever should have gotten the role. I don't think he was good. The the Christian Bale Batman series, those three films... Um, those will be regarded as the best. Yeah, even though the third one's awful. The third one's a piece of trash. It's garbage. There was a- Nolan. Nolan became so convoluted in his filmmaking style that he hasn't made a decent film since. He, uh, he Batman painted Batman into a corner on that third film, and, and you yes. know, they just it was it was an unfortunate thing. Having said that, uh, you know, Bale did a great job. He's in discussions. It really to make. He's in discussions to make an appearance briefly in the Flash film. As a version, because there's going to be a multiverse situation. Right, here. right, right, right. Which means we're, I'm hoping if you're going to give me every damn version of Batman, at least give me Val Kilmer once. Well, that may happen. We'll see. Uh, I know that's one thing that since the Snyder cut came out, did you know that there's a Schumacher cut, an extended cut of Batman forever? That's like an extra 45 minutes. Really? And people are trying to get studios to release it now. Wow. That and would. quite frankly, I will watch it because I loved, I loved Val Kilmer's portrayal of Batman. I thought he was the only actor that did a great job as both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Oh, sure. Sure. Everybody else, I think, did a good job as one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And that then only leaves us with uh, Soups. What are we going to do with him? Well... Soups has his own damn problems. Um, there's a reboot in the works of that, and the rumor is that he's going to be black. Okay. Uh, rumor is that it may be Michael B. Jordan. I have no issue with this. My issue with this is that I'm afraid they're going to overexpose Michael B. Jordan. I, I agree. Because he's got another Creed film coming out. He's already got the Black Panther stuff in the works. He's got this coming now. He's going to end up being an action. He's action star overload, and he just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, that was, you know, you know, I think you could have picked a different act. I think you could pick a better actor that could maybe really use the boost. You could pick somebody that's maybe a less known like they did with Christopher Reeve. Well, Cavill, uh, isn't he coming back? Cavill has agreed to come back. Um, he signed on, I want to say for five projects. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, he was in the running for Bond prior to coming back to Superman. I wonder if the fact that he got kind of phased out of that's the reason he came back. Could have been, but he would have been a good because Bond. I, I think so, too. I don't know what they're going to do after Daniel Craig because, personally, I didn't care for much of his, many of his. Right, right. 
I like Casino Royale. Aside from that, the rest of them were just kind of blah. Yeah, they were, and they just all kind of strung together, which they did. They were their, their stories were all sequels of themselves, right? And but then again, I'm one of those weirdos that tells you I actually liked Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. I did too, to be honest with you. I thought he was so much fun. He was. He was fun. He held Timothy Dalton did a fine job. Dalton was great. I like the fun Bond movies. Yeah, no, those were great. Connery was. Connery will always be head and shoulders above the rest. Right. But from there, for me, it would go Dalton. Then it would go to Brosnan. Yeah. yeah. Because I had more fun with those three Bonds than I did any of the others. Absolutely. Although George Lazenby doesn't really count because I don't know that I ever saw that film. It's, uh, it's Telly Savalas as Blofeld. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, it's a weird film. It's, uh, it was... It was, it was, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe. It doesn't, doesn't have any of the fun to it. There's a lot of plot, a lot of exposition in it. Um, it explains Bond's marriage that he had to that woman, Diana, I think was her name. Uh, the assassin, the assassination, you know, you know, cause she's obviously killed. Spoiler alert. She's murdered at the end of the film. Uh, the problem with Lazenby is that he was wooden. He was stiff. He was, he was a horrible actor. It still is. Apparently, I know he's still around. But and another problem was that he was going around telling everybody that he was the actual personification of James Bond, and it turns out that Eon Studios was none too pleased about that. No, now, no. My question is this: What are your thoughts on Amazon buying Bond? I, I, from my understanding, it came with some caveats, and and that was it has to get theatrical release. Yes, it has to have theatrical release, and they cannot get involved in the uh, creative control. Right. So Eon Productions, which actually owns Bond, uh, is is they're 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 fine. They're separate from from that whole deal. The theatrical re- release thing was also, you know, part of that deal, but that's that's really it. So it's after post production, after the film has been completed, it's what Amazon can do with it. You know, whether well, you know. Amazon now that they've bought MGM also has said that because even though they can't control necessarily what they can have, what can happen with Bond, they're considering creating a shared universe, an extended Bond universe where we may maybe meet some different double O's. Okay, some of that maybe. Um, I've always I'd be okay with it. Actually, I've always believed that Felix Leiter should should have his own his own films. Oh my God, yes! Because he's in every one of the Bond films, and he's always right. an interesting character. You know, he's right. the American version of Bond in a weird sort of way. Even though he gets himself into bits of trouble every once in a while that James bails him out of, but there's a little you know tit for tat too. Yeah. Although mostly Bond's the one that gets the tits, and he always gets the tat. That's that's about how that works. That's that's how that is. <clears throat> All right, my friend. Uh, thanks for uh, for sitting down and uh, having a chat here. Uh, we're going to get together uh, this coming Saturday. Absolutely, that'll be the third uh, of July as we celebrate the tenth anniversary of Radio Memphis. Uh, we're glad to have you guys on. You guys are going to be bringing down the house too with the Angel Sluts on that part of the program. Yeah, I still don't know how I got lucky enough to snag that. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be a, that'll be a big time. There'll be a big announcement coming up as to the future of the heavyweight chumps and what they're going to be doing. And also, be sure to tune in Tuesday night from ten to midnight to hear our series finale, where we will be interviewed by our good good buddy Brad Pittman. We are actually the subject this time. Oh, well, ain't that something? Well, this'll be fun. I decided to flip the script for the last episode. Why not? Why not? You might as well go if you're gonna go, go big. Exactly. Or go home. 
Well, I recorded at home. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's there's that. All right, my friend. I will. Uh, I'll see you next time. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. Hi, this is Reverend Oma from the Broom Closet Metaphysical Shop. A lot of us are making time to deepen our spiritual paths. The Broom Closet has a wide selection of books on spiritual topics and a huge selection of tarot and oracle cards for connecting with spirit and our higher selves. You can choose from our vast selection of gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry to enhance your spiritual journey. Check out our mindful living gifts and home decor to complete your sacred space. Visit us in downtown Memphis or online at thebroomcloetmemphis.com. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Here's what's coming up on the next episode from Radio Land with Rick Cheddar. There's an old adage about faking it till you make it. I wonder how true that really is because for the past 10 years, I've been faking it pretty hard. <laughs> That's the way it is. If you think about it, 10 years, 10 years Radio Memphis has been on the air. Isn't that something? A lot of people said it wouldn't make it one or two, maybe even three. 10. Suck on that. <laughs> I like it. I like the fact that 10 years we've been doing this. You know, uh, a few more years I'll have done radio. I've been on Radio Memphis longer than I was at the other station. Think about that. That's a frightening thought. That's a very deeply frightening thought. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's a harbinger of things to come. I don't know. The world has changed. That's all part of the fun of it. Because uh, as the world changes, so do we. And if we don't adapt to it, then we're part of the problem as well, aren't we? <laughs> previous episodes, go to radio-memphis.com. To download episodes to your mobile device, search the show in iTunes, player.fm, stitcher.com, pocketcast, or tune in. And now, here's more with Rick Cheddar from Radioland. There you go. You heard uh, something about what may be coming next week. Then again, maybe not. I, I don't know. Production schedules being what they are, life being what it is, problems happening here, that, and the other. I've taken a few days off from the radio station, which was good. I needed it. LJ and I both did. Uh, aside from uh, that uh, that show past Sunday, oh my goodness, that was that was something uh, with uh, the Drummers Roundtable, uh, hosted by Howard Grimes. I was glad, to, so glad to be a part of that show. That was uh, that was fantastic. So uh, be that as it may, we got more of those types of shows that are coming down the road. Our thanks to Mark Caldwell for making that happen. You know, staying in touch with the community that it is the Memphis music scene. It's very important. You know, we don't want to horse around and, you know, screw something up. You know what I mean? So, uh, so there you go. Well, that's it. That's all I got. Kind of done this time out. Thank you for tuning in, streaming, downloading, whatever it is that you do to it. If it's a, if it's a Wednesday night around midnight or actually it'll be a little bit later, Thursday, Thursday, wee hours. And you've been listening to this. We appreciate you doing that as well. And, uh, tell everybody, you know, about this program that helps us out until next time. Uh, we'll see you down the way. We'll be back. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And for God's sake, stop shooting each other, all right? I'm Rick Cheddar, and this has been from Radioland. Rick Cheddar from Radioland is produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. 
All music performed during this episode was used by permission. No part of this program can be rebroadcast or used in any other way except by written consent. For more, go to radio-memphis.com.